0: Hello, and welcome to episode number two in the book of Genesis, the stuff you were still wondering about. My name is Lee, worship pastor at the church, and I'm here with Josh and Matt, and we would like to discuss some things today. If you haven't had a chance to look at session number one, it should be right available to you as you looked at this video. Today, we wanna talk about sin, because that's right away in the book of Genesis chapter three. Right away, we see that there was a perfect creation, God created, it was amazing and beautiful. Adam and Eve were there. And what did they do right away? They disobeyed what he had commanded them to do. And so uh, chapter three, verse six says that Eve took of the fruit and ate it. She gave it to her husband and he ate and right away the whole of creation and humanity was plunged into sin. Hmm. So here's a a first question that you might be wondering when you read this quick story at the beginning of the Bible, why was it such a big deal to eat a piece of fruit?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there's there's a, a fantastic quote by the late R.C. Sproul about this. Someone was asking him this in a panel discussion once, and he says something along the lines of, uh, "You know, that why was this such a big sin? Why did it come with such severe consequences?" He he reminds us. He says this creature that came from the dirt mm. was reminded by the Almighty God that he was not to eat this fruit. Uh, in fact, that God warned him, on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the creature takes out his hand and uh, defies the almighty living God, takes the fruit and eats of it anyway. Sproul says, the question is should not really be so much, Why was the punishment so severe? The question should be something maybe more along the lines of why was it not infinitely more severe? Mm -hmm. Why did the Almighty God not strike him utterly dead on the spot in the moment, but instead God responds with remarkable grace, doesn't he? Because he he covers the nakedness of humanity Mm -hmm. by providing them with the clothing made from animal skins. He patiently lengthens our days, Mm -hmm. giving us time for our hearts to turn back toward him and preserves the lineage of this promised seed uh, so that Christ ultimately takes the curse upon himself in order to see us reconciled to God. So so that would be one way of looking at it, to pause and say, we're probably asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Isn't this a, a severe punishment to say, actually to defy the almighty God who had so clearly warned us uh, we should probably ask ourselves, as as the creature that came from the dirt, why would it not be more severe? How is he so good and gracious and
0: loving? Hmm. So that word sin is kind of an unusual word in our contemporary culture. People don't just use that word ever. Unless they're in church. They don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not really known too well. So what is that? What is a sin? You know, when I think about the idea of a raisin, to me, that's a sin. because that is a perfectly good grape that's been left out to die and wilt. And people, some some people think it's a good thing. I I, guess you understand that. I I (laughs) like
1: raisins. I like raisins. We had a little joke about this before, and I know that, uh, the, that uh, Mad and Lee, you don't like raisins very much. The tragedy of a raisin it's just too bad.
0: masquerading yeah. as a yeah. chocolate chip in an oatmeal cookie. Yeah, that's a disaster. It's just too bad. It's
1: what I, I look for. It so <laughs> the fruit
0: of the vine has a special place in the in the heart of our loving God. So uh, me too. I well, think I'm
1: holier for that reason. Yeah,
0: but obviously the word <laughs> sin is a desperately dark term yeah, and it means so much if we unpack it. I just wonder if we could talk about yeah. that for a minute to help people understand why is it such a big deal?
2: Mm. Some might know that uh, the the word sin comes from this like archery term of mm. missing the mark. Mm-hmm. So there is like this expectation that uh, is not accomplished by Adam and Eve in the garden where like the one thing that they're told not to do is the thing that they do, right? So they've, they've missed the mark on that. Mm-hmm. If you read uh, Psalm 51 at the very beginning, david cries out to the lord because of his sin and he notes three ways that he's offended god in the way that uh, pastor josh has mentioned he asked god to blot out his transgressions yeah. he's overstepped a line that god set. Mm-hmm. he's overstepped that he's transgressed the line and then he says wash me thoroughly from my iniquity Uh, There, we even have help from his request that God would wash him. He knows that he's unclean, that there's something stained in him that he needs the Lord to wash clean, to purify him. His iniquity then is is likened to uncleanliness. And then last, he uses this mark, cleanse me of my sin. Uh, Sin in this sort of way is what we were talking about with the missing the mark idea. Um, But often in scripture, we'll sort of encapsulate these terms. And so when we, when we get to Genesis one, it's clear that it's not just like a small thing. Uh, it's clear that they've like entirely missed the mark. In some way, like when I read Genesis three, six, I see in Eve the same thing that I see in myself, hmm. um, that her sin somehow is like all of my sin, that God has said, do not eat of this. It is not good for food. It is not good for you. And she sees it with her eyes and thinks this is good for food, Mm -hmm. desirable. Uh, Everything about it that she thinks is the opposite of what God has said uh, about it. And she takes it and consumes it. And this is just true of all of our sin. We see the things that we know we ought not do and something in our heart becomes strangely warm to them. And we we give ourselves to them in a a way that does transgress what God has said. Uh, We sense that it makes us unclean. And we certainly miss the mark that God's laid out for us. It's interesting, chapter three, verse six, you just referenced it. She not
0: only thought, hey, this fruit must be good for food. And by the way, we understand the fruit was not an apple. Yeah. Right. Everybody thinks every movie shows it was an apple. Mm-hmm. We don't know what kind of fruit it was. Yeah. It wasn't a raisin. Fruit fruit of the tree. <laughs> no, because that wouldn't be sin. <laughs> but it's interesting that that Eve says it was desirable for food, but also for gaining wisdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she wanted more than just food. She was looking for something entirely more. And you think about, about Ecclesiastes, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of yeah. wisdom. Yeah. They didn't have fear of God here until yeah. after.
2: And if, in a way, like they've they've given up the very thing that they desire, right? So the, the serpent says, eat this and it will make you like God. Right. And uh, he has sort of dangled as a carrot in front of them the very thing that God has already given them, likeness to God, that yeah. they've been created in his image and likeness and they they betray the way that God has made them to grasp what the snake uh, sort of like offers in vain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's important, Matt. The root of all of our
1: sin and the very first sin is a lack of contentment with the place God has put us in his good creation, which is the highest place we could think of in his good creation to be made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. But we say, no, I want to be God. I want to say what's right and wrong for me. I, I want to uh, sort of be my ultimate authority mm-hmm. and we, we cast off God's rightful rule in our lives. Uh, think about how much that is a movement of our present society that really doesn't like the word sin mm-hmm. you acknowledge at the beginning mm-hmm. that we say I get to determine my own reality. I look deep within my side myself to find my truth uh, instead of an objective uh, or, or all, all powerful God's objective truth and uh, we're constantly Looking to make ourselves God mm-hmm. and have been from the very first people, and it continues to be uh, uh, the root of our sin today.
2: It's the deliberation between the, the tree that God has said, This is life to you. Yeah. And the thing that God has said it will be death to you. Yeah. And there's something in us uh, because of our sin and, and all of this that we keep choosing. So regularly. Death. Choose yeah. death. I
0: wonder whether people come to Genesis 1, 2, 3, and it's like ancient history. It's, and some would say it's fable. We understand it's not. It's true history, but it's so long ago. We have a hard time seeing ourselves in this story. Mm -hmm. So let's chat for a minute about who created the first sin, who made the first sin. And do we find ourselves in that same story somehow? Mm -hmm. Who's blamed for the first sin? Am I there too? Like, am I in verse three, verse six?
2: Right.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Like, uh, Scripture's kind of equal opportunity in Mm -hmm. terms of who it blames Mm -hmm. for the first sin. Because on the one hand, uh, we might say, well, Eve was the first to sin. Mm -hmm. She reached out her hand and took the fruit first and and ate of it, and 1 Timothy 2 affirms that. It was Eve who was deceived and became a sinner. But then on the other hand, Adam was right there with her and joined her immediately in the sin. And Romans 5 says, Sin entered the world through one man. Yeah. And so with that, death comes to, all, to, to one man uh, or, or to, all to all through that one man. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that if we're saying who's to blame for the first sin, we say, well, on one level, there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, and we all share in that, don't we? And, and maybe right. that's some of what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ought to be able to easily see ourselves in the story of Adam and Eve. See how we so quickly and easily become
0: just, just like them. Mm-hmm. I look at Genesis 3, and we see that Adam and Eve both sinned, and yet the Bible has different ways of describing that, yes, they sinned, but we are all culpable. Uh, How do I, how do we see ourselves in chapter 3, seeing as it's so long ago, Mm -hmm. can I actually see myself in the sin of Adam and Eve?
2: I think one of the tricky things about Genesis is that we would read this story and think, if I were there, I would have done something different. Mm -hmm. Um, if I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to like be the first person to not sin, I wouldn't sin. Mm-hmm. And you actually see in Genesis, the story unfold in this sort of way where like everything gets so bad that God sort of undoes creation in the flood mm-hmm. and, and gives humanity a second chance really to do things right a second time.
0: And mm-hmm. we don't.
2: And you see the same story play out. Yeah, that's right, true. exactly. Where like you see Noah in a vineyard eating of the vine and causes him to be drunk and sin and Mm -hmm. his children then end up sort of like turning on him and there's another curse that comes upon them. And we see humanity replay and replay and replay. And for for all of us, we recognize that our own sin does make us culpable, uh, does make us condemnable. But we see that our sin is the same as Adam's sin in the same way that we would then say that Christ's righteousness now becomes our righteousness. If we don't see ourselves in Adam, if we don't see ourselves in Romans 5, then we can't see ourselves in Christ. To be clear, you're not saying
1: that uh, just like we see Adam's a sinner, we would be a sinner too. Jesus is righteous. Oh, we can become like him in and of ourselves. You're saying, it's our solidarity with Adam and his sin that yeah. brought our broad, our, con- our rightful condemnation, and we see we would have gone exactly the same way, and we actually do right. in our own lives. Like it would be day right day to refer
2: to Adam as as like our representative yeah. in the same way that Christ is now our representative, yes. where we receive from both of them something true. Yeah, um, not not because we were
1: already like no. Jesus in the way that we're already like Adam, but because Jesus has provided for us what we could never have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then God graciously allows us to be identified with him, tied to him, so that instead of just sharing in Adam's sin, which we naturally do, uh, Jesus' righteousness gets to count as right. ours. We find this solidarity with him, our life and his life bound together.
2: Yeah. yeah, The connection between us and Christ isn't that we're righteous and so is he. It's actually yeah. that the impassable God, the unchangeable God, became passable flesh, changeable flesh, uh, took on a will like yours and mine, but instead of choosing wrongly, chose rightly. Mm-hmm. It's his identification with us that then allows us to identify yeah. with him. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: very good. It's interesting as we look through Genesis 3, the rest of the chapter, there's then all the curses that come on. cursed uh, Curse on the serpent and then mm-hmm. curse on Adam and curse on mm-hmm. Eve and all of humanity included. But it's also all of creation. Mm. I wonder if we could just ta- chat a little bit of what that means for creation. What does the Bible say about the curse of creation, and then the liberation of creation someday.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I I love, as we think about this, to just think of what Romans chapter 8 has to say uh, about how God is working even redemptively in the midst of of this curse, Mm. or what Romans 8 refers to as this this frustration. Mm. That it is a punishment and a righteous punishment for our sin, but we often talk about how God's at work in life, even in the hardest parts. He's, he's working redemptively, and and, uh, and we see that in the curse. If you think about what Romans chapter 8 has to say uh, at verse 20. It says, for the creation was subjected to frustration. Okay, there's our, our pointing to the curse. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. At that point, we have to ask ourselves, who's the one who subjected it? Hmm. Uh, well if we had doubt it's going to come out because we're going to see the purpose of the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of god Uh, it's telling us that god subjects creation to this frustration we live under this curse this groaning that we so often have just crying out to god and he does it in this hope that it will be part of what will redeem us Mm. from the curse uh And as Romans 8 moves on and talks about the groaning of all of creation and we just think about how the laments show us and we know in our own lives that uh, the things that go wrong in the world have a, a sort of a quiet hidden blessing and that they can turn our hearts back to God, crying out and say, God, there's something not right in this world. God, we need you. We need your your forgiveness, your salvation, your redemption. We need you to fix this. And uh, the groaning does that. The, mm-hmm. the, the frustration mm-hmm. that we live under does that. It gives us an opportunity to turn our hearts back to God. So there's something there that we see God doing that's, that is a sort of a hidden blessing at first, isn't it?
0: And if you would like a good picture of what that will be look like in the future, compare Genesis 1 and 2. This is a good study sometime. Compare Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the beginning of the story the end of the story oh, you yeah. see a lot of the same imagery coming back the tree yeah. and the water yeah. of life and all these things that obviously the lord is making things new yeah he's promised that yeah and we're looking forward to that day yeah you the know?
2: day of the lord is like a cataclysmic day if you look at the end of second peter you get the same sort of thing where the the heavens and the earth creation itself will be burned with fire mm-hmm. and yeah. like consumed that there's something very difficult of doing away with the unrighteousness in the world and the brokenness of the world and the brokenness in our lives to rid ourselves of the curse. Uh, There there needs to be a doing away with the old for the new to come. Mm -hmm. And this is a promise for creation. Christ is making all things new. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a promise for our lives. Mm.
0: So thanks for joining us today on this uh, episode number two and if you have not yet seen episode one you can connect to it and see some great stuff there we will see you next time